You're listening to the free Maddie Bishop Show, an independent, free-thinking look at Madison County, Montana, and America. We're brought to you by BugleProperties.com, Madison County's real estate solution. That's BugleProperties.com. Welcome to the free Matty Bishop show. I am, of course, your host, Matty Bishop, coming at you from high above the Madison Valley of Montana on Coyote Ridge. It's my pleasure to bring you a topic that's near and dear to my heart today. I've worked in newspapers in Montana, including the Miles City Star and the Montana and Libby. Uh, I've been in and out of media since I got out of the Marine Corps, so well over 20 years now, uh, and I've experienced some huge changes during that time in how news coverage is presented and how media resources are allocated. Um, We've watched national news coverage take over the landscape as far as how people are getting their news, whether it's CNN, Fox News, Facebook, Twitter, etc. The national news dominance has really had a huge impact on how state and local level issues are covered. Um, Allocation of resources has completely changed. The media is no longer, at least on the national level, no longer expected or anticipated to be unbiased observers and reporters of the news. Uh, Objectivity has largely become a thing of the past. All you got to do is flip on CNN or Fox News. Tucker Carlson will tell you everything you need to know in just a few minutes, as will any of the other uh, personalities out there that are spiting about partisan news stories. One of the things that I hear a lot of, even though this is the situation, even though this landscape has changed, I hear a lot of complaint and feedback that the news media, especially here in Montana, is not providing accountability and coverage on local issues. They're not doing the watchdog job that they're intended to to be a part of. That the First Amendment, First Amendment, pardon me, intended to create sort of a uh, a transparency in what happens within our government and within our society, and it's just not happening right now. Lots of folks are pretty upset about this. They want the media to do more. I thought it would be useful to take a look inside the day to day life and the experience of a small-town newspaper editor here in Montana. So uh, I found Derek Perkins, who I've known for a while now. He's the editor of the Western News in Libby, Montana, owned by the Hagedon Corporation out of Kalispell. They publish twice a week, uh, Tuesdays and Fridays. And he's going to give us here a look at what his kind of day-to-day, week-to-week life is like, how he makes decisions with regards to what stories are going to run and what stories aren't. Uh, He's going to give us some of the insight on the challenges that they face uh, caused by social media, exasperated by social media. Um, He's also going to talk to us a little bit about solutions and what the path ahead for local community journalism might look like. Um, It's a really fantastic interview. I had a lot of fun doing it. He's a, a personable and engageable guy. I hope you enjoy it. We're going to get to that. Uh, First, I'm just going to mention to you, this is brought to you by my company, Bugle Properties. You can check us out at bugleproperties.com. And we're getting ready to launch the My Montana Project. What this does, uh, we are working with landowners and homeowners, uh, as well as land and home buyers to help them establish conservation easements on their land that are going to preserve their land for agricultural use. Perhaps they're going to preserve hunting and fishing access. Uh, They're going to preserve wildlife habitat. Um, 
outdoor recreation opportunities. So this is really a way using the conservation easement that uh, landowners can take control over the legacy that they're leaving um, and put their land into a spot where it is going to provide something of value for their family, for their communities, for their state, uh, for the wildlife, for the farmers, uh, for a long, long time uh, in in perpetuity. They never go away. So uh, it's called the My Montana Project. You're going to be able to learn more about it at buglepropertiescom And if you are interested in supporting this, there's a variety of ways you can do so. You can work to buy a chunk of land through us and we'll help you go through the process of putting a conservation easement on it. We'll get you in touch with the right people uh, to do that. You can work on selling. If you happen to own a piece of property with a conservation easement, we're looking to connect you with buyers who would be interested in that type of thing. Or if you're not in that situation, you can work with us to buy or sell your existing home. And portions of the proceeds from that go to help our efforts uh, to create more conservation easements to help preserve the Montana way of life here. Uh, And in the future, we will be launching some very specific targeted projects um, based on acquisition of specific lands for uh, different access purposes. So buglepropertiescom is where you're going to find out about it. It's the My Montana Project, and I encourage you to go check it out. Now, without further ado, here is our interview with the editor of the Western News from Libby, Montana, Mr. Derek Perkins. Derek Perkins, the editor of the Western News in Libby, Montana, joining us today. And uh, Derek, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Now, before I get too far into your credentials, I think one of the most important things that I need to mention about you is that you were a a graduate of the uh, University of Massachusetts, who happened to be the 2001 Frozen Four champions. That's the Minutemen, the NCAA Division I National Hockey Champions. Congratulations. Did you find a place to watch the match? I did. I did. I went over to a friend's house and watched on TV, and it's it's, it's been uh, – been a lot of fun. I mean, I, I watched, uh, I went to a lot of hockey games when I was on campus. Uh, we were lucky enough to see a, a future Stanley Cup champion as our goaltender, John Quick, and uh, just great to see the college program get some recognition. When I was growing up, UMass was all about basketball, and that had fallen by the wayside in the early 2000s, and it's great to see the hockey program really take off. So one of the things that's always struck me about the media in Montana, I've gotten to bounce around the newspaper business in Montana a little bit myself, and so many different people from so many different backgrounds. How does a guy from Massachusetts end up in Libby, Montana, which for those of you who don't know is about an hour and a half west of Kalispell, the very corner of the uh, of the Montucky region? How how do you go from Massachusetts to Libby, Derek? Well, uh, I guess. Um Fortuitously would probably be the, the right word. I was I was living on Cape Cod uh, the last couple of years before I moved out here, and it was uh you know I liked the ocean. I was near the ocean. Uh, I think what was kind of weighing on me a bit was uh, much like Northwest Montana. There's maybe two or three months out of the year where it's pleasant outside, and the rest of the time it's dark and cold. And where Cape Cod is, you, you don't really get the snow because it's right by the ocean. So. Winter is mostly uh, freezing rain, and um, like I said, the sun goes down at 3 p.m. So it gets a bit drab, and uh, I was looking for a a change. I was looking uh, to maybe go someplace that was either uh, warm most of the time or at least had winter activities. And I think uh, this was in early 
spring of 2019, I actually went on a, a trip with some friends up to New Hampshire, and I hadn't gone up there for quite some time, but we went up and did some hiking, and I was up uh, up in the, the White Mountains, and I was like, man, I just, I really miss the mountains. And uh, from that point forward, I just started looking for jobs out west. I always wanted to check out the other half of the country after spending my 20s and early 30s on the East Coast. And um happened to apply for a reporting gig at the Interlake in Kalispell. And they took a look at my resume and called me up and said, hey, would you be interested in running the Living Newspaper? And uh, I did a little research, and I looked at some photos of the area, and I said, heck, I'll get on the uh, the next train I can and come on out. And that's what I did. What's your favorite part so far? I like the skiing. I grew up skiing in New Hampshire and Vermont, and uh, getting to be able to come out here and do some, uh, you know, Rocky Mountain skiing has been has been a blast. I know we've had a couple of uh, tough snow years the last, the last two since I've been out here, basically, but uh, it's still really cool to go skiing where there's um, where ice is the exception and not the rule. <laughs> Oh, Turner Mountain is a is an exception to a lot of rules. That's a pretty amazing <laughs> ski resort. Uh, resort. That's a funny word for it. Um, ski shack with a pretty incredible hill behind it. Kind of old yeah. school. So let's get into some of the stuff that goes into being involved in the newspaper business in a small town in Montana. And what I want to do first, just to give people some some background before we talk about some of the the opportunities and challenges, is. Uh, I just want to establish kind of where you're at. What what category would you describe as your pay scale? Would you say you make zero to thirty thousand a year, thirty to fifty thousand a year, or fifty plus thousand a year? Uh, thirty to fifty a year is about right. It's somewhere in there. So you are amongst the overwhelming majority of uh, newspaper folks in this country, and the fact that you are not getting rich doing this. Oh yes, and and. Uh... We'll get to it later, but prior to coming out here, I worked in the D.C. Uh, media market, and the pay was about the same, and the cost of living is probably quadruple for what it is in northwest Montana. So it's, uh, it's the rule. We're not getting rich. So that that would bring the first question, why, why newspapers? Well, I fell into it um, kind of on purpose and kind of by accident. I wanted to be a writer from a young age. And I uh, just one of those kids who wrote uh, short stories and read a lot and thought I'd go in that direction. And as I got older, uh, it just seemed like the the one of the constant pieces of advice for being a writer is to get out, live life, um, meet people, interact with folks. And, uh, you know, definitely journalism plays into that as an avenue to do that, as well as practicing the craft of writing on deadline. You just got to do it every single day. So I was leaning in that direction, and I ended up in the basement of the student union at the University of Massachusetts Amherst, and uh, they had a daily college newspaper there. And I, I think I just went down to check it out and ask some questions. And the news editor handed me a press release and said, congrats, you're a reporter now. And I was very like, uh, <laughs> okay, can I ease into this? And he's, he was just like, this is how you ease into it. Let me know when you're done with the story. I need 500 words by the end of the week. So uh, I I started just rewriting um, press releases, working off of um, things that were happening at the university, and uh, it turns out I was I was good at it. I had an aptitude. Uh, the writing part particularly came fairly quickly to me. 
Um, but I really enjoyed it as well. I, I really like getting to uh, dig into stories, learning about things I didn't know, talking to people who I wouldn't bump into otherwise, uh, and, and oftentimes having in-depth conversations with them. So I was lucky enough uh, after graduating from college, uh, at that point I was the news editor of the student newspaper. I landed a gig uh, as a correspondent for the New Hampshire Union Leader, which is a statewide newspaper in New Hampshire, and worked there for a couple of years. And then I headed down to Washington, and uh, honestly, I've just never found – I've tried a few other things. I've never found anything as uh, as fun and rewarding as journalism. Um, as a, I guess as a kid growing up in the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, I don't know if you recall this, but it always seemed like that movie uh, Office Space was on Comedy Central every day after school. And so I, I watched it quite a few times, and I remember looking at how that portrayed an office and just thinking, oh, gosh, I don't want to end up like that, punching in, punching out, sitting in a cubicle, uh, processing paperwork, or whatever it is real office workers do. Uh, I wanted something with uh, a little more adventure and constant learning, and, and that's what journalism has provided for me. That is fantastic. So it, a, an immensely rewarding job if you're cut out for it. Um, there are some, some interesting aspects, and, and I have some experience uh, I worked uh, as well, you know, but the listeners don't. I worked for your competitor for a short amount of time last year in Libby. Um, I received anonymous hate mail before I had even published a word in Libby, and I'm going to guess that you've had some very similar experiences based on um, based on the topics that have been top of mind in in the area and some of the stories you're covered. So. How often do you receive feedback that might be described as as hate mail or as extremely negative feedback? Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you uh, you sort of redefine that because honestly, we don't get a whole lot of hate mail, at least not the the traditional way. Uh, but we do get a, a quite a bit of feedback. Um, I would say, you know, it's it's there. Folks um, folks have no problem telling us when they think we're not uh, doing a good job or doing the right thing or covering something. They want us to cover to their standards or with the lens they're looking at the world through. Um, most of it is either over the phone. I get a few phone calls here and there. And otherwise, I'd say the bulk of it is on uh, social media. Um, but even – I want to caveat that because I am a, I'm a male in the journalism field. I don't feel like I get a whole lot of paid mail. I know I get – I know from talking to women who work in this industry that they – are just overwhelmed with it. So it's not, you know, it's not really a pressing concern to me. I get very little and I deal with what I get. But uh, I know uh, women in journalism tend to struggle with the amount of um, negative feedback, both on social media and through uh, email and phone calls. I know that when I look at some of the comments on stories that the Western News publishes and I read what's going on, there are times that I fear for your safety. Are there times that you fear for your safety? Not particularly. Um, it's just uh, I know that some of the language online gets heated. I think with Facebook in particular, I try not to take it too seriously. I mean, things have changed uh, in the last couple of years. I remember the um, – I'm thinking here of the Annapolis newspaper shooting. Uh, there's, there is that risk, and I don't think that existed 20, 30 years ago. Um, but what I tend to see in the social media churn is that uh, folks are keyboard warriors. They get worked up. They get uh, a thing to say, and they they like to 
make big plans, uh, and rarely, very rarely do they come to fruition. So I don't put too much mind to it. Uh, on the other hand, I'm, I'm not going around telling people, you know, where I live in town. So, uh, you know, take precautions where possible, um, but we don't, we don't spend a whole lot of brain space worrying about it. Does social media make your job easier or does it make it more difficult? Oh, more difficult. I, I have no problem saying that. It has, uh, it has advantages. Um, it has uh, quite a few advantages, uh, especially for a small town uh, newspaper. But if we're just looking at the amount of time it eats up in the day and what that takes away from, I would say it, it just adds more work. Um, I split duties overseeing our Facebook page. We really don't have a Twitter presence or an Instagram presence. Um, but Facebook, just monitoring the comments, uh, seeing who's posting what, and that, that turns into a 24-7 job. I mean, as I'm sure you've seen or noticed, there are people in town who uh, know when we're not checking our Facebook, and they can comment uh, any time of day or night, and so you'll see comments go up at 4 o'clock in the morning or 5 o'clock in the morning with, uh, in at least a few instances, knowledge that no one on our staff is probably going to take a look at it until eight or nine when we get into the office or we get up to the desk. So, uh, it's, it, when it gets to the point that it looks like, um, you know, it becomes an all day, every day job, no one can take vacation. Someone's always going to be on it. It's, it's definitely more work than not. How does the amount of negative feedback that you get compare to the amount of positive feedback that you get? Um, there's definitely more negative, uh, and I think that's just human nature in general. Uh, you know, often, even if, you know, something goes very well in my life, I get a fantastic cup of coffee or something in the morning. I don't necessarily compliment, you know, McDonald's or the coffee shop I went to. Um, but I'll, you know, I'll be the first one to go and complain to somebody else if I don't like that cup of coffee. Um, so I just think that's human nature. I would say we definitely get more negative, uh, but we get quite a bit of positive feedback and people like coverage or they like the direction the paper's gone in. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not uh, equal, but we get some of both and that's good. Now, Libby, Montana has, correct me if I miss this, but it's just about 3,000 residents and three operating newspapers. The Western News publishes twice a week as part of the uh the Hagedon Corporation, which also includes the uh the uh Daily Interlake in Kalispell as well as a, a collection of other papers. And then there's two independent papers in Libya as well. So a, a lot of effort going into covering news in Lincoln County. I'm curious specifically what percentage of your time, Derek, uh are you getting to spend researching and writing local stories that are that are Lincoln County specific? Sure, and I just want to dig into that a little bit. Are you, are you talking me personally, my schedule, or the way we um, we approach it as a as a newspaper? Let's talk a bit of both. Uh, sure, I'll start I... with with the approach as the news schedule as the the approach, the philosophy of the newspaper, and then we'll go into the reality of what the editor's life looks like. Okay, sure. Uh, I'd say the newspaper, we put, uh, 90 to 95% into, into local coverage. If we're covering something that did not take place here, it's that we're trying to localize it or we see some sort of local impact. Um, you know, that, that, uh, I'm trying to think of some examples, but I'm, I'm really kind of short because we've been busy just covering what's happening in the community, uh, pretty much, uh, straight out for the last year and a half that I can recall. But yeah, we, I, 
my approach is that our niche is the community paper. We cover the community. There's no one else covering Lincoln County the way we are, and so we're just going to dig in and give you as much news of the day from this area as we possibly can into each uh, issue. Do you get to spend any percentage? Well, actually, before we get to that one, let's talk about about your life in general. The the paper is focused heavily on the local community. You mentioned that you have responsibilities with social media. I'm sure there's other responsibilities involved with being an editor. How much how much time does the editor of a small town newspaper get to spend boots on the ground meeting people and covering local stories? Sure, I consider myself a, a player coach when it comes to managing the editorial operations. Um, I I got into this business because I wanted to be a reporter and I wanted to be boots on the ground. I wanted to be that that person out there seeing things happen. Uh, it turns out I'm good at being an editor, but that so, sort of shuffles into that position. Um, my my weekly schedule. I have two days that are pretty much dedicated to pagination. So I don't know how many people in the community uh, know this or suspect it, but. We uh, literally lay out our newspaper in that office, and that's a job that I do when I'm not writing articles or attending community meetings uh, and fires and emergencies and things of that nature. So that's uh, our Mondays and our Thursdays. I'm pretty much spent in production, and that's, as I said, laying out the paper, deciding what goes on the front page, how it's going to look, what the headlines are, editing the stories one last time, editing the photos, uh, all that sort of thing. So you get that. You've got the uh, the social media management, which, again, I do split that duty with a, another member of the staff. Um, and then it's, you know, answering phone calls. Uh, people come in the office, want to talk to us. We had a couple of visitors drop in just this morning uh, <laughs> between this and our weekly editorial meeting and getting the, uh, the stories up on the website and just managing our website, uh, although it's easier than it might have been 15, 20 years ago, uh, it still takes up a chunk of time. So it's... Uh, I, you know, there's, there's a few things I can cover, a few beats I have as my, sort of my babies. I cover the courthouse, try to cover the commissioners, and then Libby City Council, and my reporter sort of takes on uh, the rest of it. He does most of the enterprise reporting in the paper. Excellent. So that's a, that's a pretty good view of what, uh, what not only the life, but the skill set of the editor in a small town paper requires. Do you get to spend much time on any coverage of looking at, say, what the representatives uh, who are elected in Lincoln County are going on and doing at the state level? Do you do you get to take much of an interest or much of a, an angle on state politics at all? We try to. Uh, we, we are limited by, you know, the news cycle, what's happening in town versus what's happening in Helena. And obviously the way Montana's got its state legislature set up, it's a churn of news coming out for a couple months every other year. Um, but we, you know, we consider it part of our duty to keep tabs on what our local uh, state lawmakers are up to. And that's both down here with uh, Steve Gunderson, but also Mike Huff, the senator, and Neil Durham is up in, the, I think, in the Eureka area. We just kind of keep an eye on what bills they're backing and how it's moving through um, the House and Senate. And uh, I would say we could spend a whole lot more time. On top of that, we just don't have the bandwidth to do it. I do know that uh, my reporter, Will, this is his first time covering any sort of state house stuff, and he's really taken a liking to it, which uh, which I appreciate, and I try to encourage him. Because, honestly, uh, the stuff that happens in the state house affects all of us much more heavily or significantly than 
what happens in Congress and honestly what happens at the county commissioners or city council level. Uh, the, the folks doing that work in Helena are going to change the way we live our lives, handle, uh, you know, our affairs, um, our interactions with government. So, you know, we got to keep tabs on them, see what they're up to. What would you say, Derek, is the the most important role that a small town newspaper plays? Well, I think that that honestly depends on who you're asking. Um, from my perspective, the most important thing we do is inform people as to what's happening in city hall, in the courthouse, with uh, with the county commissioners. Um, I think you know an idea of how much the county is taking in in revenue, how much it's spending on certain programs and departments. That's uh, incredibly important. It gives folks uh, an informed voice in the discussion. Uh, they can come into a meeting, and if they've read an article about the issue at hand, they'll have an idea of what's up for debate and what their opinion might be, and if they have um, new or different or better uh, ideas, they can they can pitch that and interact with their local lawmakers. Um, you know, if you ask a parent in the, in the school system, they probably say the high school support. Um, <laughs> you know, everyone kind of take a different angle at it, and a newspaper is a, a general product, right? It's supposed to meet people, attract people at a, a bunch of different levels. You get it for the crossword puzzle in the sports section, or you get it for the opinion page, or you get it for what's happening in City Hall. So we, we try to um, give everyone uh, sort of an equal reason to pick up the paper, but I know from my perspective, it's uh, definitely holding, our, you know, our commissioners, our city councilors, our local judge and the prosecutors, and then the police uh, and sheriff's offices to account, you know, let us know, let the public know what's going on and how it might affect them. How many how many staff members does the Western News have? So there's myself. I have a reporter, Will Langhorn. Um, we've got Paul Stevers, who is semi-retired. He is our, he's listed as our staff photographer. He also splits uh, Facebook duties with me, um, and then we have an office manager and uh, a general manager overseeing the business operations. So it's a it's a pretty lean shop, um, you know. It's uh, for two weeks, two papers a week. Uh, we're stretched a little thin, but um, but that's about on par with any local newspaper I've come across, any small town paper. Which brings about the the. Two questions, really. One is, is the current model sustainable? And two, is there a, a future for small town newspapers? Is there growth potential? Well, I, I think the answer to that is yes and no. Um, it, it depends on the, the community. I think Oddly enough, one of the things that has benefited the newspapers in Bloody is the uh, lack of reliable Internet access outside of town. Um, this is, you know, folks can't – not everyone can troll Facebook. Not everyone can scroll Twitter. Um, a lot of folks get their, get their news locally uh, through the paper. And uh, even though there is competition within town, um, you know, these three papers are the only ways you're going to find out why your tax bill went up this year or, you know, um, why there's a new project on Route 2 or, or why there's traffic over here. That's going to fall back to the, to the newspapers uh, until someone replaces us. That being said, between the, the pandemic and just the general business trends, it is getting tougher. It's definitely not getting easier. And uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure, having spent now 15, 
12, 15 years professionally grappling with this problem. I mean, this is something journals and people have been sitting around in circles talking about since I was in college. There really hasn't been a great solution. Um, unfortunately, a lot of it, I think, is that uh, as things become more national, uh, as people pay more and more attention to what's happening in, in D.C., in New York, in L.A., uh, they have less interest or less time on what's happening locally. You know, small potatoes. I'd rather watch Tucker Carlson in the evening and get my news that way. Uh, so until that that changes, I, I'm not uh, I'm not quite sure. I'm not. I don't want to sound overly pessimistic, but I'm definitely not uh, thinking we're turning a corner here next week. Do you think that's a generational thing that people looking more towards the national media um, than the local? Is it is it an internet phenomenon that it, there's so much news that a younger generation isn't reading the newspaper, or or are there other factors involved there? Uh, it's probably um, I don't know how much it is generational because I see it uh, cutting across um, all generations. I mean, I, I see a, a general unfortunate disinterest towards the local news unless it's like literally affects you why is there traffic i i passed a car accident today i'd like to know what happened i think a, a neighbor's house caught on fire or i reported somebody hit my my mailbox and i'd like to know if the police department got to the bottom of that unless it's like really impacts uh an individual regardless of the age it just doesn't seem to be as much interest there as to what's happening before county commissioners. Uh, you know, and that's a great example. They passed uh, their budget last year over a series of a couple meetings in uh, late August, early September, I think it was. Not one member of the public showed up to, to speak on it or, or discuss it. And, you know, it was kind of odd to see the commissioners being really disappointed <laughs> that no one no one cared enough to even come out and get mad about it. Um, so... I think that's definitely one factor. I, I think another factor is because of the the internet and cable news. It's uh, it, you know pulls you towards the the national hot button issues of the day, um, and that's and that's just where you're with the internet. You can look at whatever you have interest in. Um, in the old days, pre-internet, you got your newspaper, and what was in the newspaper was what you read. Now you have options, and that's and that's fantastic. Uh, and I think people are just choosing what's there. They're more interested in, and that's um, you know things like the uh, Derek Chauvin trial. That's things like uh, the, the the election. Um, that's what's happening with majority green in Congress. Uh, you know, if folks want that, then they're gonna go to it. And to be fair, why is it more interesting than um, you know a golf cart ordinance before city council? That does touch back to something that you said earlier in the interview, though, where you were you kind of alluded to it a couple times that the things that are happening at the the city, the county, the state level are having much more of an impact on people's day to day lives and how we do business and how we operate our communities, and yet the interest is pulled away to things in Minnesota and Washington D.C. and other parts of the country and other parts of the world. Um, let's. Let's just step away from our current reality for a minute. We're going to declare Derek Perkins the emperor of of the world. And your job, first job as emperor is to design uh, effective small-town news coverage or, or design a company or an approach that will effectively provide news coverage for the residents of, of small towns and address some of those issues that you brought up. What uh, What ideas do you have? 
Sure. Uh, you know, honestly, unlimited money as emperor of uh, the world. What I would put out is a weekly paper uh, with in-depth articles um, written, uh, I guess, more with with a freer hand when it comes to writing. And here I'm thinking of like an all-weekly. You might find um, back east, the Baltimore paper, the Washington City paper, the Boston Phoenix. In-depth, uh, fun, interesting coverage taken at an angle that is interesting to the reader. Uh, and then couple that with a large digital footprint where you get the, um, you get the meat and potatoes of news coverage. You know, here's what, what's in the police blotter. Here's what went before city council. Here's what the county commissioners talked about this week and how they acted on each item on the agenda. So if I have, um, if I have free reign to do whatever, I want a product that is unique and, uh, targeted towards an audience. And the folks want to pick up because they want to dig deeper into something. Um, and then the digital side of it would be, okay, well, you, you read our, you know, really in-depth uh, investigative piece on X, Y, and Z. Here's the other stuff that went on that you, you missed and uh, you might want to catch up on. Talk to us about something that, that you've written, Derek, that would fit into that into that mold, into that piece of uh, investigative piece from a unique angle that that's really going to grab the public. Something you're really proud of writing. Do you have an example? <laughs> uh, not not here in Libby, uh, and uh, that's more because of my duties as an editor. What I would point towards is Will Langhorn's piece last. Uh, I think it was the first week of September, second week of September. He had got. He was working off of a tip about a couple of the trailer parks in town uh, running in, running into trouble with the health department about uh, violations. And, uh, you know, they also seem to be kind of hot spots for crime as well. And he went over there and over the course of several weeks, spent a lot of time hoofing it around those parks, talking to residents, getting a handle on what the problems they were facing, both physically in the parks and also the – the issues in their lives they were dealing with as well. And I think he put a very personal spin on that. And it, it looks like uh, in the months since the park ownership has sort of hasn't changed, but it's been reshuffled a little bit. It sounds like the owner has handed out some responsibilities to a uh, younger generation. And it looks like uh, there is some movement in terms of uh, improving the way people live. And I'm very happy that we were able to Dig into that, give it the time it deserved, uh, meet with people at length out there, and affect a little bit of change. That's fantastic. Uh, okay, back from, from Emperor Derek's world, uh, back to our current reality. It, if, and this is, this is happening, perhaps not at a, at a rapid rate, but newspapers are shrinking, some of them are going away. What's going to replace them, and and is that a good thing, and how do we make that a better thing? Well, um, I'm putting on my prognosticator cap at the moment. What I what I see happening, uh, what I've been That's watching, a nice happening, yeah, it is. It's, it's very fanciful, a lot of colors. Um, what I see happening is, you know, we've got these news deserts popping up all over the country. It's, it's uh, Libby should kind of feel very lucky that we local newspapers focused on the community. I think it's fantastic. I love the competition. And uh, it really serves the readership well to, to have multiple reporters covering these meetings or these issues in town. But a lot of places, they don't have that. And what they have in its stead is uh, Facebook or 
Uh, I think what's the uh, what's the app called Nextdoor is the other one, and that is where uh, people turn for their community news. And so <laughs> through that filter, it's often it's rumors, it's folks with an agenda or a particular hatchet uh, they want to they want to use or a thing they want to get pushed through. And um, a lot of it's word of mouth coming right off scanners, food scanners. It's not it's not the same. It's not particularly effective. Often it it um, causes headaches for, for everyone, both users and the uh, officials in those communities. And uh, I think we're going to unfortunately go through a period where that is going to be, for a lot of folks, their source of local news is sifting through um, the various viewpoints and innuendo on social media. And what I'm hopeful of is that folks will get sick of that and maybe put some more money back into a small news operation. And whether or not that's a newspaper, I don't know. Uh, I thought the, the, what was it, AOL patch model was pretty unique and interesting. Uh, it seems like that fizzled out fairly rapidly, which is unfortunate. But uh, I could see, I've seen startups, uh, local websites, news websites uh, that are staffed and at least helmed by folks with editorial training or experience that seem to be uh you know, meeting that need. And and the problem we all run back to, especially on the local level, is resources. I can only cover as many things as myself and my reporter can get to each week. We both went to a city council meeting last night. There's about four or five things on that agenda that are worth getting uh, written up. Probably we'll have two or three of them in the paper, and that's just because we're juggling what happened at that meeting, which was important against uh, some cases that are going through the courthouse and the commissioner's meeting tomorrow, and a few other issues in town that we'd like to dig into, as well as what our state lawmakers are up to. We're working on a couple of stories about uh, some bills as we speak. So it's uh, it's a resource thing, and, uh, you know, I don't know if we're going to go back to every small and medium-sized city having a prominent daily newspaper. Uh, that would be best, but, again, I've taken my emperor cap off. Um, hopefully we can at least get back to a place where in some fashion people can get reliable accounts of what's happening in the world around them. Can you give us a glimpse without too much detail, a glimpse into what type of things go into the decisions behind which stories get cut out of the, out of the four that are available, you get to choose two or three. What is that fourth one lacking? Sure. A lot of it is, um, well, it, it's really resource allocation. Um, so the way we kind of sit down and talk about it is, all right, here are the things we think we need to get to that are newsworthy to some extent. Here are the ones where, um, for instance, the golf cart ordinance was up last night. That's a pretty well-encapsulated story. Uh, Will, my reporter, was there sitting next to me at the meeting. He's talked to those people who are pushing to allow golf carts on city streets before, so he knows them. He has the contacts there. He obviously knows the city council members. He's there for the discussion. Uh, he can put that out fairly quickly. Um, there was another story coming out of last night's meeting that uh, involves the Chamber of Commerce and some uh, dispute they have over another farmer's market type deal uh, popping up on a different day in their parking lot. Um, because of the way that was presented, we don't have a lot of information on that dispute as of yet. So we're looking into it, and that's something he at this moment has the, the bandwidth, the capability to do. He can make some phone calls and try and track down uh, the information. Uh, now, that being said, if big news pops up, if we have a flurry of 
fires or if there's a standoff somewhere in town, which unfortunately happens, you know, every few months, um, he can get pulled off. And one of those stories might have to be shelved. Um, you know, I know when I cover the courthouse, each lawn motion day I walk out as I have six or seven stories, I could write. Realistically, I'll probably write two of them um, before I get buried in covering county commissioner meetings and, um, you know, various city council-related stories. What it comes down to, I guess, is what is the most important thing that week? What are those one or two things? Everything else we can follow up on, but what do we have to get in? What's time-sensitive? And what can we get to? We do get a lot of pitches from folks in the community who want us to look into stuff. And it's on our list, and we get to it when we can, but a lot of it is just uh, too much to turn around immediately. When you leave the Western News, what is the um, – if and when, sorry. If and when you leave the Western News, what is the best piece of advice that you're going to give to your replacement? What, what have you learned through through juggling those nuances and that resource allocation and that uh, – what ends up being a, a really complicated process to determine what the most significant and attainable stories for for the paper are? I think I've been informed a lot from my time working in the uh, the D.C. metropolitan area. I, I ran a weekly newspaper in Alexandria, Virginia, which is right across the river from D.C. for a number of years. And, uh, you know, being there, being, you know, obviously they have a ton of news outlets in the, in the area, both national and local. And you watch some of the, the coverage and how hyper-competitive it is and how um, hyper-competitive and in-depth it is really rubbed off on me. So the, the approach I've always taken when coming into a new community is, you know, let's hit the meat and potatoes. And for me, that's, I've probably said this a dozen times already, but it's county commissioners, it's city council, it's the courthouse, cops and crimes. That's that's the stuff that people 100% need to know. And once you start hitting those beats, uh, you just go to those meetings regularly, you, you keep tabs on the sheriff's water, you go to the courthouse when there's a trial, um, you're gonna do, you're gonna do good, you're gonna do fine. Um, that's what folks are looking for. Uh, that's what they oftentimes need to hear or know about. And then from there, once you've got that down, you can start branching out into enterprise pieces. And that's covering local businesses, that's digging into issues that uh, concern local folks, um, that's doing features and profiles and all the fun stuff that also comes with, um, you know, putting out a newspaper. You just don't want to just republish meeting minutes, but um, but you got to hit that, that steady beat. There's got to be a reason why people get comfortable picking up your newspaper a week in and week out, and that's because you're going to let them know accurately uh, what happened at a city council meeting, what was said, what was voted on. Um, you're going to give them the information they need to, to leave their day. So, Derek, over the course of these last 35 minutes or so, we've done an outstanding job of convincing people that local news coverage coverage is extremely important, um, that it is something that's essential to a small community, and and they're ready to get out there. They're ready to go out now, and they're going to support their small-town local newspaper. What's the best way they can do that? Sure, there's two things. One is if you're a resident, subscribe. Uh, that is number one. If you've got a, a local news source, whether it's my paper or a different paper, um, just guess subscribe. Uh, that's, that's, that probably makes the, the biggest difference. And, uh, you know, I don't know when this switch hat 
switch happened, um, it was probably somewhere between the 90s and the early 2000s, but folks started expecting everything for free online. And we had a uh, we had a weird situation with the Western News where our paywall came down at the start of the COVID pandemic, and it recently went back up. And I'll tell you, people were were upset that they could not get the news for free. <laughs> but as we discussed, there's a lot that goes into that that process and someone's going to pay for it and fund it and support it. And uh, so I would encourage anyone who, you know, reads the local newspaper, turns to it for their information to um, subscribe. Our paper is 75 cents. A cup of coffee I buy in the morning is like double that. So uh, it's really not a, um, hopefully not a hard sell. And the other thing is if you're a local business owner, uh, take out a net. Um, you know, it's, that's not the, uh, not propping up the paper. People read those ads. People turn to the paper to find out what's going on in town, and if they see a you know an advertisement for a local restaurant or store or sale, uh, you know that's going to be buried next to the news that uh, people are going to be looking at. So both things help us out. Excellent, Derek. Thank you so much for your time and energy, not just in in joining me for the show today and helping people get a little bit better picture of what. Uh, what it is they're talking about when they talk about small town news coverage or, or the small town newspaper really putting a face on that. But thank you for the time and energy that uh, that you put into providing that and the attention to detail and the expertise that you bring. Um, last thing I'll do is just leave you with a with a blank canvas for this last question. If there's anything else that you want to touch on, anything else that you want to uh, to cover or that you think is important that we missed, um, throw it out there. I think we we covered it pretty pretty well. I mean, unless you want to ask me how I voted in the last presidential election, which I won't tell you, but <laughs> that's probably the only thing we. I'm over. sure you get enough of that, and I'm sure that most people assume. <laughs> uh, Derek, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, really appreciate having you on. Great job. Uh, we'll go ahead and get in the show notes. We'll get how folks can follow you on Twitter. You should should definitely follow Derek on Twitter. I do. He's fairly entertaining and, and wide-ranging. Um, put some good information out there, as well as how people can find your work in the Western News and uh, support their local paper, but maybe even shake down a couple cents to go out and uh, and see some excellent examples of what's happening in maybe Montana. Thanks a lot, man, and uh, I will catch you next time. All right, Maddie. Thanks so much. That's about it for this episode. Thanks to Derek Perkins for doing a great job. If you want to keep up with him and his work, check out uh, his newspaper, The Western News from Libby, Montana at thewesternnews.com. They've been serving Lincoln County since 1902. You can also catch Derek personally on Twitter. Twitter, if you're a tweeter, if you like to tweet all things twittatory. Uh, Derek T. Perkins is his handle on Twitter. Great episode there. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you again next time. Don't forget to check out BugleProperties.com. Learn more about the My Montana Project and how we're helping landowners conserve the Montana way of life with conservation easements. That's BugleProperties.com, My Montana Project. Hey, I'm Maddie Bishop. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time here on the free Maddie Bishop Show.